Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Lots of stuff been going on along the USC football program with the spring football for 2021. Wrapping up on Friday, the NFL draft also over the weekend. Five Trojans selected. We're going to talk about all of that with the coach, Harvey Hyde, plus a new transfer uh, that just was announced this morning. It's Monday morning. We're recording the podcast, but we got... Some breaking news, we'll talk about that too. But with the Coach Harvey Hyde, you can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, to see all of his content. If you have questions or comments for our show, please email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. We'd love to hear from you, especially during this offseason. Any kind of topics you want us to talk about, we will be able to do that. You can also leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text, and the number is the same, 424 424- 254-9141. We got a voicemail to play for you today. There's also a place you can review our podcast. If you download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can follow us there on the Peristyle Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Any kind of comments or suggestions on there uh, really helps us to grow the show. But leave that little five stars. That uh, that helps us a lot. Helps us out a lot. And we do appreciate it very much. And we always appreciate having the coach on the show. Coach, how you doing, sir? Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Oh, Ryan, it was great. I'll tell you, it was great. The Kentucky Derby and all the events going on. You got a lot of college football on Sunday now. That was wonderful, too. It's football year-round, and uh, spring practice is getting wrapped up at a lot of schools. And, uh, you know, I I just, uh, I'm in a good mood. Summer's coming, and uh, we'll see what's going to happen. The season, it sure seems like the season is getting here quickly. just seems like it was over with. And here we are getting ready to talk football, and publications will be out shortly. So let's keep it rolling. We will uh, keep it rolling. Yeah, it's funny. This is going to be a a sort of a slow May month. And I talked about this on our Tunnel Vision show uh, last night. You can check that out. We have the podcast forum now, too. But uh, with the draft wrapping up, with spring football wrapping up, usually May sort of focuses on recruiting. It's the evaluation period. Well, the dead period goes all the way to June. So there's going to be a lot of recruiting going on in June. If you're a recruiting fan, tons of official visits. They're going to be cramming everything in. All these players, have. it's been over a year since they've been able to visit campuses officially. So that's going to be ramping up big time. But you're not going to get the same sort of stuff that you would get in May. Um, and, you know, we here in California, we had the high school season that just that, you know ended fairly recently, too. So... May can be kind of a dead month, so definitely send us uh, your questions, your comments, feedback, anything you want, any kind of topics you'd like us to talk about, because probably not be a whole lot of football stuff going on for the next uh, few weeks, Coach, but we'll we'll get through it. But on the other side, too, it's like, wow, it, it seems like the season's getting here quickly. It just It's so much to be back on an almost normal schedule as opposed to last year where you were just like in this desert of nothingness going on. You didn't even know if a season was going to happen. It just feels like everything's happening faster now, Coach. It really does. And um, I'm not sure when fall camp opens up, but it's normally the early part of August, uh, normally a month before their first game, September the 4th. So we'll be back in fall camp here in a couple of months. So 
We've got a lot of football to talk about. We're recruiting going on. So as I always say, football never goes away. It never does, Coach. Yeah, August 6th, I believe, is the tentative date for the start of uh, USC fall camp. And just let everyone know, if you are not a subscriber to uscfootball.com, we are ending our uh, NFL draft sale. 50% off a VIP membership, or if you just want to put down a buck, you can get access for the next month. So go check it out if you're not a member already. You should be, but jump on there. They got a a great sale going on, but it ends uh, midnight uh, on Monday. So try to jump in there. Uh, Well, let's, I'm going to start off because we had some uh, breaking news this morning. Um, Another transfer from the University of Texas. Uh, This is Michael, I'm sorry, Malcolm Epps. Uh, So he's a tight end. We've heard some, you know, he might be able to play uh, like that big receiver role at USC looked like more of a pass catcher uh, than a blocker, but he's the third Longhorn actually to make the jump from the NCAA transfer portal this um, off season. So obviously the Todd Orlando, uh, the, you know, the um, Craig Nivar, all the, you know, Brian Carrington, like the connections from the university of Texas on the staff and support staff have kind of paved the way for bringing in uh, some extra, players you get a safety get a uh you know defensive uh lineman now hey you now you get i'm sorry you get a safety you get a running back and now you get a a tight end but uh thoughts coach on uh malcolm epps coming over to usc well it's always great to get uh, great players and from the state of texas uh you know uh, i don't know exactly what texas had on their team they didn't have a lot of players drafted this year but the only thing we're missing is Steve Sarkeesian. I just wondered <laughs> if he would go in the portal. And if he goes in the portal, if USC might bring him over. Because there's been so many Texas uh, players now on the roster at uh, USC. I somewhat type to seem to question that. If I'm a California kid or a California coach, a high school coach, I would say, well, maybe they're getting all their players from Texas now. Not that I don't want great talent. And, uh, you know, if you're bringing in a tight end at 6'6", 260 pounds, that plays on the line of scrimmage, and uh, the poor guy that plays against him being a linebacker or whatever, and the poor guy that has to tackle him when he's in the seam or running a drag or corner out or quick out or whatever, I feel sorry for him. I'd be really in favor of it. But, again, it's another receiver type of a big receiver, and I think big receivers are great. But I think also, you know, when you look at everything, you say, uh, is it a receiver you need or is it something else that you need to take you to the next level? I mean, you can have all the receivers in the world, but if you can't pass block or run the football, you're not going to move the ball and your quarterback's going to be looking straight up at the sky and trying to hit the moon. And uh, that really doesn't happen. So, uh, you know, I'm always excited about getting great players, but I look at the big picture of what the real needs are of, of the football program. And I don't think that was one of the big needs when you have Brew McCoy and Ford. I tell you, Brew McCoy is going to be a superstar. And what about the other receivers that you already have on the team that had a pretty good spring? What do you tell them? You tell them they're not good enough? I, I mean, I really don't know how you uh, explain it, and I don't know why you need it. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Coach. Uh, you want to like accumulate talent, and it's a weird roster year because of the COVID stuff. And if you have some openings, you can bring uh, some guys in. It's this huge—you have this huge freshman class. If you can bring in some more 
veteran guys, it's hard to kind of fill in the rest of the roster. And you can do that with the transfer portal. Um, the, the wide receiver depth just wasn't that good uh, this this spring. It's not. It's usually better than it, what it has been. So I get it. I'm, but we just don't even know the kind of role that a tight end would be playing in this offense. Um, you know, we heard uh, from Graham Harrell they were going to probably use some, or I think it was from uh, Clay Helton, some some different kind of formations. There's some possibilities there. But, you know, it's I almost feel like you're kind of relying a little bit too much on this this Texas uh, connection um, with the, you know, the guys that are on the staff right now. We, there, it's certainly there. It's, it's something you want to utilize. But, I mean, the third guy transferring from Texas just in this offseason seems a little much. Well, I agree with you because, see, these Texas coaches, don't get me wrong, they don't know the California coaches, okay? They know the Texas high school coaches and where they've been recruiting. So, obviously, that's where their contacts are, and that's where they're going to go to try to get players. But California high school coaches, uh, they like to network with the coaches that they know, that circulate through their schools, that they sit and have lunch with or drink with, talk on the offseason, all of the above. And I think you've got to have that network. Now, Oregon comes down here and does a good job with that. Uh, obviously, Williams has done a good job with that. And, uh, you know, we I just think that if you're, if you're a California university, you've got to be able to have networking throughout the state of California everywhere to be able to attract the top prospects. Here you have the three top quarterbacks in the country next year. I'm, I'm not talking about draft choices or Heisman Trophy winners. You got a starter at Clemson from St. John Bosco. You got a starter that was in the portal from USC at Georgia. And then you've got Bryce Young at Alabama. I mean, how does that look? I mean, don't get me wrong. Why wouldn't they want to come to, to USC or why wouldn't they want to come? There's a reason. So I think that there's something lacking there where you can't attract those type of players at USC because the football tradition at USC is every bit of what they are at those three universities and for a longer period of time. Now, Alabama, well, I got to say, they've been there a long time because John McKay and Bear Bryant were the best of friends. But we can't let, I say we, the state of California or USC, can't allow that type of talent, not just quarterbacks, but any position, leave the state. Yeah, it's uh, definitely been a talent drain here on the West Coast, and it starts, and you know, it, it starts with the USC. You have to have a strong USC football program. When Pete Carroll got that rolling, he made it cool to stay on the West Coast. Not as cool to stay on the West Coast right now. So you're seeing a lot of guys, uh, you know, from the draft. And maybe we'll go to the draft first before we talk about you know USC spring football, since you were uh, you mentioned some of that stuff. Um, I'll give a quick recap of where the USC players went. Now remember, everyone was eligible to come back. So any, you know, there's seniors still on the roster that didn't, you know, just move off because they are, they get that extra year because of the COVID shutdown. But these are, there were seven players that decided to uh, leave and, and try for the NFL. They were all invited to that virtual combine. And uh, five of those players were drafted, two signed as undrafted free agents. Uh, one first rounder, Elijah Vera Tucker, the number 14 pick to the New York Jets. The Jets actually traded up. And uh, the Raiders took an offensive tackle, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. A lot of people thought was a reach. And there were definitely some rumors that they wanted Elijah Vera Tucker. But the Jets jumped up and got him. So second year in a row, USC's had an offensive lineman 
selected in the first round. I think that's all good. The problem was no one else was selected until day three of the draft. So the very first pick of the fourth round, Jay Tefele, remember him? He opted out of the uh, uh, 2021-2020 season, just like Elijah Vera Tucker did, but uh, Vera Tucker came back. He went in the very first pick of the fourth round, his 106th pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, So he goes with uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, so that should be very interesting for sure. Uh, a few picks later, the 112th pick in the fourth round, Amon Ross St. Brown goes to the Detroit Lions. And uh, he'll give, he got Jared Goff trying to figure out what's going to go on up there. So that's where Amon Ross St. Brown ended up. In the fifth round, the 180th pick, safety Talanoa Funga. He's staying on the West Coast, San Francisco 49ers. So played his high school football, Pacific Northwest. Uh, L.A. for uh, college, and he's going to stay in California, San Francisco 49ers for um, the All-American from USC, Telenoho Hufunga. All right. Uh, then in the sixth round, 189th pick, there's actually just nine picks later. Uh, Marlon Tuipelotu, I thought, made himself some money the, at least the first couple of games of the 2020 season, did not opt out, showed up, and uh, just had some really good tape, I think, from those games. He goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, and then – Two names that weren't called, Elijah Griffin, the cornerback he signed with the Buffalo Bills. Could it be, uh, you know, uh, Robbie Nicole Col- Coleman? Like he was signed an undrafted free agent there and uh, and made it, you know, uh, and had you know had a long NFL career uh, with the Bills. And so we'll see if OG Elijah Griffin can do that too. And then Tyler Vaughns, he ends up going uh, to the Indianapolis Colts and he gets reunited with his former teammate, Michael Pittman. And they got a new quarterback too to throw uh, Tim, both your receivers get new quarterbacks. Uh, Carson Wentz will be the new guy in Indy. So, sorry that was a mouthful, everyone, but uh, just give you guys a recap of where everyone ended up. Coach, uh, thoughts on any of those guys, or if you want to give thoughts overall, however you want to do it. Well, let's start with this. Uh, you have two offensive linemen that went in the first round, and they played next to each other, correct me if I'm wrong, two years ago. Here you have two number one draft choices, okay? And for some reason, you can't run the football. Now, is it the players or is the NFL evaluating these players wrong? The NFL looks at all these players a different way than we look at them. We talk about them every day. We don't see every single player throughout the country and evaluate them against them. And they obviously thought that these two players, Jackson, and uh, Tucker are pretty good football players. So I I don't know if it's the football uh, coach itself. I don't think it's the football coach itself that's coaching the offensive line. I might look at it and say it might be the system. And that's something I've spoken about now for the last three or four years as far as what you do and how you try to move the football with different types of things you implement into your football program as far as on your offensive side of the football to be able to diversify and be able to carry uh, the load as far as if you heard every one of the analysts on all the networks talking play action pass is Justin Fields success play action pass is is uh, is McCoy's success every one of these guys you hear talking about how important the running game is to the passing game. And, you know, I don't know how long I can keep saying it, because I know all of you are sick of me hearing or hearing me talk about this, but you ask me and I tell you. So how can you have two number one draft choices 
on the offensive line and you can't run the football. My goodness. I mean, that's almost embarrassing to say. So it must be the system. So we'll see what happens this year with a new offensive line coach and see if he can make it better. But if it's the same system, I don't know if he can make it better. So that's where I look at that as far as those guys have been evaluated by guys that evaluate thousands of players every year, thousands on every level, and they both went in the first round. Then you look at the other players, and uh, you say, uh, I'm I'm sorry that Jay didn't have the opportunity of playing, but he had personal reasons uh, that he couldn't play, but I think it certainly would have helped him. I'm glad that he did have an opportunity to get drafted and play. He's a good kid, and I want to see everybody have the opportunity of fulfilling their dreams, which is playing on a Sunday. And these other guys were evaluated by the NFL scouts, and they took them exactly where they evaluated them. And if you people watch the same film, uh, not films, but the same highlights everybody, every time somebody got drafted, you saw some great talent, great talent. And I watch hours of that show, hours to evaluate the talent. You don't have to be at USC, but there's great talent out there as far as offense and defense, linemen and receivers. And you can see where they're taken and who they are, names you never heard of before. But I think that uh, those guys, I'm glad that they got drafted, and I, and I think that uh, they have an opportunity of making the team because of the position they play. When you draft someone, you, uh, you have a need, and I think if you go to camp and you, you don't get injured and you play hard and you're in great shape, you have a chance to make the team, okay? Now, as far as St. Brown, I thought he's a great player. He had a great workout. But he came out the wrong year. You can't come out a year when it's the greatest receiver group of guys ever. ever. Yet I, I realize his confidence and so on. And uh, I think he has the ability to play in the NFL, but he could have gone a lot higher if you're looking at the dollar signs if he'd have stuck around. And that's exactly my feeling on him. He got drafted, but if he wasn't in such a hurry and he evaluates the receivers that are coming out and what his competition is you got to make a business decision his business decision was to sell the car yeah so he went out there and he's got drafted and he has a chance now to make the Detroit Lions now you look at uh the free agency guys that signed you look at Griffin uh, I think Griffin I just I just think Griffin could have stayed he was in too much of a hurry yeah he needed to mature. He needed to get stronger. He needed to play more. He just, you know, he was in a hurry, uh, too much of a hurry to get to the NFL instead of letting it happen. You know, it takes nine months to have a baby normally, you know. So let it, let it happen. Don't come out so early. But he was reading all the hypes and, and everything or somebody was telling him or whatever and playing college football wasn't good enough. So he has the challenges now and they're going to be tough challenges they really are to go against great people and try to tackle backs that weigh 220 pounds that run four 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 five some bigger now also tyler vaughn i think tyler vaughn is a great kid he came out of bishop vermont as a five star i believe and you know some kids just mature faster than others so he's had a great 
career at USC. He was a 6'2 receiver with great hands that made great plays and uh, was a leader. But you've got to be able to run as a receiver. And if he had any shortcoming at all, if he did, I'm not talking about his personality or winner. It was his top speed. You've got to be able to go deep. And you can only have so many route guys on your football team. Otherwise, they just eliminate you. They just play man on you and you're out of the game, okay? And that doesn't help them, you offensively at all, because they can double up on other people. So I think uh, he'll have a challenge as far as making the team. Uh, I think Mike Pittman there is that type of player. And I don't know if they can have two of those. Maybe he'll be able to get on some uh, other team uh, later on and get picked up. But that's the way I evaluate them. They all had their choices. They all had their chances. They all made their own decisions. So I want to wish them all the best of luck because everybody has a dream of playing on Sunday. But what happened was someone else evaluating the players, not us. Someone who sees thousands of players during the year. And my main point goes back to saying, how can you have two number one round draft choices and you can't run the football? Yeah. No, I, that's a very good point. And that people brought that up on Twitter quite a bit, coach. And hard to argue with them because that certainly was uh, an issue for USC. So, but wish everyone uh, the best of luck making their uh, teams. And uh, we'll see where those guys will try to follow their careers and see where they go as uh, progens, as the guys you know, going on to their pro careers uh, from USC. All right. Let's uh, one more topic before we jump into questions. We got to wrap up spring football. It ended on Friday. So I went out to practice coach. Um, it was up. You, know, you got to check it up on the aquatic center. It was a shorter practice. The last one uh, that we got to see uh, It was only about an hour. They were, did some seven on seven stuff. Uh, you know, they had full pads on, which we didn't think they were going to do because we thought you could only have eight practices with pads. And I think uh, Shotgun had counted eight already, but they did have a full pads practice. Um, when it came to the team periods, and that's basically what they ran, and they, they ran some specialty stuff. A lot of uh, backups were in. You had some of the veterans almost acting like coaches on there. So it was sort of like a you know, final wrap-up practice. It was like maybe a senior skip day kind of thing going on. But we got to see uh, Jackson Dart and Miller Moss run stuff. They didn't have Keaton Slowis go out there with uh, the team stuff. Defense dominated all the drills that I had seen. I, Miller Moss had some success. Um, uh, Dart really didn't. So it was more of a Moss looked better to me on those final few periods than, than Dart. But that, you know, they they blew the horn. It was a good defensive stop. They blew the horn three times ending practice and it was like, wow, that was, uh, that was pretty quick. But overall, I wanted to get your thoughts on spring football, maybe the last couple of weeks since we saw, you know, the, uh, spring showcase and, uh, you know, tell me what you think. I, for me, just real quick, I thought it was a lot more physical than what we've seen in the past. I thought they, you know, accomplished a lot. Uh, I liked the way that kind of set the tone and probably started with Todd Orlando and what they wanted to do as far as physicality goes. But yeah, I mean, spring football, you could certainly do some things better, but I, I think it was a better group of practices than what we've seen in the past. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts, Coach. Well, I quit going after the uh, spring showcase because I think it's anticlimactic, and I think the kids feel the same way. I think they wasted the last two weeks. I mean, how do you have that without coming back? You should be scrimmaging every Saturday. 
Then after this scrimmage, they should have had this Saturday after, I don't know, a hundred play scrimmage, have a big barbecue with the players and their families and so on and celebrate that I made it. I made it through spring practice. It was grueling and tough, but I made it. I mean, how can you have call it off? I mean, you can't call off practice. This is when you make the time. This is when the team, this is when you get ready to play a football game. How can you waste them? And I think it was totally wasted the last two weeks. I agree with you as far as the practices the first two weeks. I thought they were put together. They had more inside, outside, and more type of hitting drills that I thought that was really good. But to waste your last two weeks of football practice, mentally you lose them too. Remember, you've got to have the mental attitude. You've got to have the kids. It's not over till it's over. The game isn't over until the the gun goes off. So what are you going to do, quit at halftime? Hell no. you got to keep going. And, uh, you know, uh, all these players lying on the sideline that were hurt and players coaching players. What is this, a playground and a mental program? I mean, players got their role and coaches have got their role. It's not a circus out there. It's business when you go out there. And uh, I, that's my opinion. All of you out there might disagree with me. But I'll tell you, I don't waste time when it's practice time. And I take advantage every day and every way you get better, better, and better. You're never good enough. And uh, I just thought that uh, when they said that was their last big uh, showcase, I quit going. Because that's the way I felt, and I'm sure that everybody else felt the same way. Now, you have to go out there, and your team has to go out there, but you got to put up all the things of what you saw out there, which I understand. But unless they're going to be getting better, and I'm going to see some progress, then I'm not going to waste my time. And not that I don't love football, but how do you quit spring practice halfway through or a little past halfway through? Yeah. Wasted time, wasted energy. You might as well just quit after the scrimmage. Yeah, you know, I thought there were some good practices afterwards. The problem was, and I get the the mental approach, Coach, where, hey, we had our game. Now it's sort of like, what does this matter? Like that's, I think you you run the risk of losing some of the players mentally. But I think that combined with there was a bunch of injuries. I think Shotgun counted like 40 guys that weren't out there. Um, then they weren't all injured. There were some guys that transferred out. But there was a lot of dudes that were, you know, not available. And if it was a game week, maybe they would have been. But it's like, you know, the week, like you said, the week after the spring showcase, um, I'm nicked up. I'm not going to go out there. So I get it. I think there's some uh, some aspect to it. I would rather see the spring game, you know, end things. And that's where you sort of build up to. But the fact that USC got all those injuries when they had the spring game, they had the spring game when they did, probably got a lot better for spring, you know, spring showcase because they had less guys injured than they did later on. But, you know, that's, I don't know if they would have been able to play, you know, with through those injuries or not. I think the good news is there were, you know, there was three major injuries that the, the players are going to be out for the season, but everyone else should be, be, you know, there's a bunch of other injuries, but they should all be back for the fall. Um, but, you know, in general, I don't know, coach. I mean, I, I would take more positives away from this, just knowing that like they needed to, tackle more. I mean, they were live tackling in the final practice, even though it was a short practice, like they were, they were tackling. Um, we didn't see that kind of stuff before. So at least 
there are some positives of, of how we've done it before versus now. No, I know, I, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. You know, injuries uh, are concerned, but you know, uh, you can step off a curb and twist your ankle. And you know, this game is a, a tough game, and uh, to have 40 people not practicing, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have canceled spring. I'd have said, okay, we're taking a week off until we get everybody well. I mean, when everybody can practice, we'll come back. And we'll we'll start uh, we'll start the remainder of our spring. You can't have forty guys standing on the sideline. That's a joke. I mean, really. I mean, think about it for a minute. I mean, uh, this is your this is your future and what you got to do. And I apologize to all the parents out there that think I'm a brutal bad guy. But when you don't get those W's in the fall, you'll be yelling and screaming about everything. And the only way your body becomes accustomed to hurting is by playing football all the time. And you notice that you're going to live through it. By gosh, I lived through this. My arm was sore, but I lived through this. I limped through this. I got through this. Your dreams of playing in the NFL aren't over. So, you know, if I had 40 guys in the sideline, I'd have said, well, how many days we have to get them well again? Ten days. All right. No spring practice for ten days. Get back in the weight room. Get rehabbed, and we'll come out out here and start again. That's me. Yeah. That's me. Okay. I'm not going to waste time. Okay. I want to get something out of this, and that's why forty guys injured is unheard of anywhere. Yeah. I mean, the way we're all injured, there were some guys that had transferred out, but there's just forty players missing. A lot of them were injuries, according to uh, Shotgun's count, but. Whatever the count is, I yeah. don't care. What, what, there was a lot of dudes on. out early. I'd be embarrassed. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break, and we're going to come back and answer some questions. But, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of newsy stuff we had to get to. But we'll be back in a minute and answer your questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. We are back on the Peristyle Podcast. Coach, let's start with a voicemail. I'll play it for you. Right. This is Lee from the Bay Area. Question for you. You guys are talking about uh, Voorhees playing tackle on a uh, potential tackle on your uh on the line. So my question is for the coach. 
Didn't the, if I, my memory, I could be wrong, but didn't the coach say a couple of years ago that he thought Voorhees could be a tackle? I could be wrong, but maybe you just check your check your archives. Thank you. Uh, could you help me out with that, Ryan? I want to make sure I answer his question properly. Yeah. So he. So uh, we talked about on the shows. It might have been on Tunnel Vision, but Andrew Voorhees ended up. They did a draft in the spring showcase, and Voorhees ended up being right. the left tackle for one of the teams. And then the last couple of weeks, they've mixed. They did a little more mixing and matching on the offensive line. There were some guys injured, and we got to see Voorhees again. I think Shotgun went through his film of the spring game and and, and when we watched him in practice, and really liked the way Voorhees was playing left tackle. So that's a potential move that could be made. And the the caller was just saying that. He remembers you saying that from a couple of years ago. You thought Voorhees could be a tackle, but he wanted to get your thoughts on that. Right. I watched him in the spring, and I thought that showcase, he did a good job at left tackle. Now, I didn't watch him every single play, but I wanted to get a good look at him seeing play tackle, and I thought he did a pretty good job. So, yeah, I think he can play that tackle, depending on uh, what their other uh, combinations could be on uh, the techniques and also how uh, for, uh, these other kids come along. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I thought he did a good job there. Just, it depends on, you got to have your five best players on the field. Okay. Whether you move a center to guard or you move McKenzie inside and you play Monahan at the other tackle, you got to have people that can play in the ones that you believe in the ones that will bleed for you. The ones will get that extra yard for you. The one that will play a hundred percent and not watch the play, but get to the play. You've got to be able to say, uh, you know, if you want to watch it like the 40 guys that are injured, buy a ticket to practice. You know, this is this is what uh, you have to look and then decide who those people are, and that's what coaches are for. And then put them together as a unit and then keep them in that unit. Coaches are supposed to make decisions, and you've got you're getting paid to make these decisions and then coach them up. So to become a better coach, you got to get better players, especially in the offensive line and defensive line type of positions. So to become a great coach, recruit great players, and then get them together, make them believe, put them in the right position and, and, and combinations, and go with it. And uh, I think that's basically uh, my feeling on Voris. I, I think he could play left tackle. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, you know, Clay Helton talked about all the positions essentially being open right now. And uh, they're going to, you know, we, we saw like a set pretty much group uh, for the first few weeks Then they mixed things up a little bit, but I think Voorhees did himself a favor and that's going to be something for Clay McGuire to think about. I, I've talked about this coach. Um, this is where, you know, you hire a new offensive line coach. He's sort of evaluating what's going on. You have tape now of like what the, projected starting five would be with Cortland Ford out there at left tackle. But outside of Brett Nealon, I mean, they could move anybody. McKenzie could move to guard. Voorhees could move from guard to tackle. Um, you know, you might see Jonah Monheim out, run out and play right tackle for the Trojans. You could see Justin Dietrich slide over and play guard. I think there's a lot of options. Is this, you know, you have this new offensive line coach, probably work with Clay Helton. Now, you know, you're an offensive line guy. Is that something they're just going to be doing this offseason, evaluating what they saw in spring practice and then going into the summer where the player run practices are going on? And then, of course, fall camp 
having an idea of, I think this is what our starting offensive line is going to be. Let's start off looking at that and then move forward. Well, let me tell you, if you don't know who your players are right now, and you don't know what your potential starting group is right now, uh, you're in trouble, okay? You know who can play. You know who needs to be redshirted. You know who your best five are or six are. You maybe have seven players, okay, that you rotate, seven. So if someone goes down, this guy goes in and one guy moves over. You don't get, in the fall, equal opportunity. It's not equal opportunity time in the fall. It's time to prepare for a football season. It's time to get your team unified as a unit, the pride in its unit, and go from there. If you don't know who your starting offensive best players are right now, you're in trouble, okay? So when when you say every position is open for God, who are you kidding, coach? Every position isn't open. I mean, you say that and you you mislead everybody, including the players. But the players know that's not the truth. Every position might be open, but they know they don't have a shot at it. They know the guy in front of them is better. They have to wait their turn. And in some cases, you've made a mistake. And a kid might never play. But if you don't know your top seven or eight offensive linemen right now, you're in deep you-know-what. Because you got to know exactly what you're going to do when fall camp starts. It's not equal everything. It's getting ready to beat football teams, okay? And form the pride and the, and the togetherness and things that when you need it, you've got it. So that's just my opinion, humble opinion. Coach's humble opinion. All right. Well, thanks for that question. We got a couple emails. This is from uh, Jack from Arizona. He says, I've been watching all the recruiting at USC football and cannot help to see certain needs are not being addressed. Everyone says that the offensive line is where the Trojans need the most help. All we see is defensive backs, defensive line, wide receivers, and quarterbacks being recruited. Uh, I am reading between the lines here, but it appears that the USC mindset is this. We can score between 28 and 38 points on most everyone. If we can create a defense that holds our opponents to 21 or less, we will be winners of the West. Do you agree? Well, you know, that's if you can keep your quarterback alive. Uh, you know, when you when you throw the ball that many times and, you know, and you don't have things off of your passing game, like in the spring I think I saw a couple of draws and, and, and one of them worked pretty good and, and then you run a fake draw pass. Where first of all, you've got to get your linebackers to react to the draw so they believe you're going to run it. So the linebackers come up, it's like a play-action pass, and you throw the football, fine. But you've got to be able to have things that the passing game works around as far as concern to the running game that makes it a lot easier as far as spreading the field and getting it done. And uh, I, I just, I just, uh, I just, just, you know, I just question that because I, I, I don't know just what the overall philosophy is offensively. And I tell you, when you don't do that, it didn't teach good habits at all to the defense. When the quarterback doesn't carry the football or attempt to carry the football in the spring, and I'm not saying make it live on him, but to teach him to continue with the read or the options or the bootlegs and run out there and hold the backside 
and know down and distance on when to slide or when to get out of bounds so you know that you move the sticks. What are you practicing? I mean, you've got to make it like the real thing that what this kid has got to make decisions on during the game. So, you know, I, I and you don't really – I didn't see any type of improvement on misdirection plays or jet sweeps or counters or or any of that stuff. Maybe they're saving it. But what do you save it for? There's no secrets in football. What secrets are there in football? There's no secrets. I mean, you know, you get ready the week before or a week and a half before the game, and you put everything in. And, and uh, you know, sometimes it's better they know you have that play, but then they wait for it. And they can't get into the other play and stop it. So I don't even know what the question was any longer, okay? <laughs> That's the best one, Coach. I love those uh, about you know, recruiting on the offensive line. USC does have, um, I believe, 19 scholarship offensive linemen right now. So it's not like the number – they haven't recruited. It's not like they avoided recruiting the offensive line. They just did haven't landed – the five-star kind of guys that you would uh, expect uh, from USC. So there's still bodies there, but the, the, yeah, the, the, Jack from Arizona wanted to know about, you know, recruiting on the offensive line. So, well, you got to get out and, and you know, you got to get some guys that you might have to go out of state or to get these guys or whatever. You got to recruit them, but you got to get them. And sometimes you've got to take a guy that's a defensive player and move him on offense because he's more angry, but he's a great athlete and you can turn him into a, uh, an offensive tackle or tight end or something, bulk him up, redshirt him, and he'll become a great player. But you got to have some guys that are angry and athletic and playing on the offensive side of the line that can pull and move and do different things. And, uh, you know, you just can't recruit pass blockers. And uh, a couple of players that they've recruited as far as coming in, I'm not going to mention names, are basically guys that just lean on you, okay? But they're so big, they just lean on you. And the defensive guy really can't see around them. But they're not coming off the football, and they do their best. They're working hard, these kids. Don't get me wrong. But are they the kids that are going to win you Pac-12 championships, national championships, and play in the same league as what people are talking about playing in? You've got to find those guys, and you've got to have recruiters that do it. You've got to have guys that understand it's not me it's who I'm coaching. And until people believe that, you're not going to be a good coach. Yeah. You're going to be a good coach is when you've got a great group of kids to coach. So you, if, if people don't believe that and they don't get out and get after it, and you don't have kids making the decision as far as in certain positions, then you're, you're, you're going to lose and you're not going to be around long. Yeah. All right, we got one last question for you, Coach. Uh, this is from Justin in downtown Los Angeles about competition. He says, "Hey Ryan, when Micah Pitt, uh, so I think he means Michael. Michael Pittman was being recruited. I remember him saying there was quote too much seniority going on at USC. And oh, I'm sorry, he's talking about Micah Pittman, the younger uh, brother of Michael Pittman. My apologies. So when Micah Pittman, who ended up going to Oregon." He said there was, quote, too much seniority going on at USC and then chose Oregon. I agreed with Micah's statement at the time. It seems like Clay Helton favored his, quote, seniors like the love of his life, Toa Lobendon. Do you get the sense that the seniority system has been replaced by one with true competition 
for starting spots a la Pete Carroll, do you still get the sense that certain players are favored? Thanks from Justin. Well, I hope not. I used to tell my team before spring recruiting and before spring practice, I'd have a team meeting. And I would tell them and say, guys, I'm going recruiting, and I love to recruit, okay? And in the spring, head coaches could go and recruit then, okay? Now they, they don't go out because they want to play golf, okay? So I used to say, I want you guys to know that I'm trying to recruit people to put every single one of you on the bench. Every single one of you on the bench. And they'd look at me like, this guy's nuts. I'd say, because if I can do that, then we got better. We're going to be better next year because I understand it's you guys that make us win with us helping you, okay? And I said, but you know whose fault it is? If you allow me to do that, it's yours. But you already have a head start. You know our offense. You know our off-season conditioning. You know exactly what it is. And if I can go out and bring somebody else in to put you on the bench, then it's not my fault. It's your fault. Because my job is to recruit and bring the best players in here so we have the best chance of winning. And you'll be a part of a winning program. And that's what I did. And that's what the coaches tried. And I instilled that in them in our staff meetings. That whatever position group you coach, I want you to go out and find somebody better. And, uh, you know, in some cases you can't, but you have the best player in America. But you tell them all as a group. So the word gets through their heads that this is what our goal is. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. We appreciate all the insights, and we appreciate everyone listening and all of the questions. Thanks for sending those in, and like, keep them coming. Uh, we want some topics for the off season. So what do you want us to talk about? Anything and anything, you know, everything and everything about USC Georgia football. We will do our best uh, to get to that. Oh, I wanted to mention one more thing. I forgot to do this, Coach. Um, USC did, uh, they, they, the athletic department won the Crosstown cup, defeating rival UCLA. Uh, so, you know, that's the head to head, uh, sports competition with the Bruins. So USC won it for the 12th time in, uh, 19 years. So it definitely helps sweeping UCLA in basketball and, uh, and beating USC, UCLA in football. So those are the big, some of the big point items, but, uh, you know, congrats to the athletic department on, uh, beating UCLA. That's great. That's great. I saw that the, uh, the beach volleyball team got beat by UCLA, but they got a number two seed. And, uh, you know, they're both one, two in the country. So that's a great uh, environment out here on the West Coast. They have great uh, beach volleyball teams. So we'll see what happens with that one, too. Yeah, we'll see uh, where that ends up. Um, some teams trying to get championships. I think the water polo team as well. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, keep you up to date on what's going on with that at uscfootball.com. But coach, thanks again for coming on. We uh, love talking to you. Thank you very much. And I uh, hope I'm not too hard on everybody out there. It's just when you want to talk hardcore football and what the game of football is about, I'm one of those guys to tell you the way it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, what happens behind the closed doors and what my philosophy is as far as what the game is all about. So, and I'll tell you one thing. Our student-athletes loved it. They loved to know where they stood. They loved to know what it took to win. And they challenged themselves to do their best 
to do that. And that's all you can ask him to do. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time. The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.